Welcome. In this course, you're going to learn how to be more joyful, productive, and fulfilled in all areas of life. This course is called The Five Secrets That Successful Entrepreneurs and Innovators Know About Effectively Managing Their Time. You're going to learn about roles, goals, mission, purpose, prioritization, unleashing your creativity, managing large projects, and you'll have a system for living your purpose every day. When you complete this course, you'll have the skills to transform your busy life into a masterpiece life. You're going to learn the most powerful time management skill you'll ever hear, and that happens to be our first module. Secret number one, identify all of the hats you wear. Now we talked about identifying all the hats you wear. We all have many hats that we wear and we're very proud of all those different roles that we play. In fact, you see that all the time in social media. Here's the Twitter account of Wynton Marsalis, the great jazz trumpet player. He lists all his roles here. Mark Cuban, he's an entrepreneur, owner of the Mavericks, chairman of his company on Shark Tank. Maya Angelou, that she's a poet and educator and historian, best-selling author, actress, civil rights activist, producer and director. So we're very proud of all these things we do, Gary V. Aisha Curry, I love hers, believer, wife, mommy. Michelle Obama. Here's another coach, Bruce Van Horn, leadership and executive coach, business consultant, podcaster, author, thought leader, cancer conqueror, life liver. Melinda Gates. Ariana Huffington. J-Lo even has her roles, actor, writer, director, producer, entrepreneur. So in order to talk about our roles, we have to think about being like a musician. I'm a musician. I've been playing drums since fourth grade. I'm a music therapist as well. So when I think of roles, I think of like a set list for a band. Here's a set list for the Rolling Stones. Now, of course, if you think of your favorite band going to see them live in concert, they have a set list. All of their tried and true classics, but also they usually sneak a few new ones that they're working on in there as well to get you used to some of the new hits. And this is the same approach you're going to take to your role list. Always have a couple roles that you're not actually doing yet, but you're setting yourself up to do. It's so important. So you might ask yourself, what are some of the benefits of identifying our roles, create this role list? Well, when you create your own role list, it will help you to be empowered, to make powerful and purposeful transitions between the different areas of your life. It'll give you permission to spend time in areas of your life that are deeply important to you. It'll allow you to see the big picture of your life. And to get that perspective from above is so powerful. 
you know, when you're in it and you're in your busy life, it's really hard to get that perspective. Also another, as I'm, I'm thinking of this now for this course, I'm gonna ask you to get some index cards to do your assignments as we go through this course. So either get, you know, the five by eight or probably the bigger size index cards would, would be better. And that's what you'll use for your assignments. So getting back to some of our benefits, when you have a crisis, you'll see it as one part of your life and not all of you. And this is so important, knowing that you play all these different roles. So when something goes bad, you know it's not you, it's just a part of what you're doing. It'll give you a vision for your future and helps you to begin steering towards it today. It literally provides you with a bridge from the present to your future self. Also, your role list adds beauty and joy to your life as you begin to curate the roles you want and be more selective of what you need in your life. You can think of uh, yourself as a composer. A composer has all of their musical ideas and they have to combine them, integrate them, feed each one of them to create a beautiful masterpiece or a sculptor that they chip away at those, that lump of clay and keep making more and more distinctions until it really shines, it's a work of art. That's how you wanna approach your roles. Keep chipping away at them, get rid of all the junk. Or you can think of a chef. A master chef would have all of their great ingredients for a dish. Even if you think of kids playing, I love to um, think about the creativity involved with, with children's play. You know, it's like a kid dumping out all of their favorite toys to tinker around with. Those are your roles. So you've got to select them very carefully. Also having a role list guides you through the changes of life year to year. Your role list is gonna be a lot different now than it would be five years ago or 10 or five years from now. Also a role list will help clarify what you value so you can share it with others. How meaningful would it be for you to be able to hand over a document or to say it verbally of all the most important things in your life? even you know, on a date or relationships or a business partner, customers, friends, family, to know yourself that well, to be able to say, these are my roles. I love how talking about roles, we really, it's really the richness of life. There's a scene in the movie Zorba the Greek, the book that someone asks Zorba, have you ever been married? And he says, am I not a man? Of course, I've been married. Wife, house, kids, everything. The full catastrophe. So this was quoted in John Kabat-Zinn's book, The Full Catastrophe as well, but he's not talking about his life being a catastrophe. He's saying that it's the whole gamut, the ups and downs and the joy of it all, the richness. And that's what I think of when I think of roles. So you might ask yourself, what is a role? Well, the definition of a role is a category in your life that needs quality time for you to be fulfilled. Now, the first step to identifying 
your roles is actually to take a step back and to brainstorm a list of your passions, hobbies, and interests. We all know that hobbies are very important to us. And I say it's very, very important to continually cultivate your passions, hobbies, and interests. There is a range. You know, I certainly think of passion as being the highest of importance to you that, you know, if you don't have this in your life, you're going to be miserable. And a hobby, of course, things that you like to do. And interest may be just getting you started, something you want to try out maybe or tinker with. I always think of Steve Irwin, the crocodile hunter, as a perfect example of someone who was passionate, just living their passion. You know, that you could just tell that that's what he loved, working with animals. Martha Stewart created an entire empire out of her hobbies. Did you know that Steve Jobs was fascinated with calligraphy? And he took some classes in college and he loved studying fonts and making that connection between emotion and the visual part of a font. The word passion comes from the Latin root, patty, meaning suffering or enduring. So compassion means to suffer with. And passion is, at its core, a form of pain that demands quenching. These are some ideas from the great software engineer Vivek Haldar. So what can you exist without in terms of passions? So let's take a look at Tracy's passions, hobbies, and interests. She's got a bunch here, and there's some that are in red that I'd like to focus on because they have a direct relationship with her role list. So she lists as passions, family, spirituality, yoga, Spartan races, self-development, being a cancer survivor. And in those, the last four I highlighted because when I spoke to Tracy, she was saying that yoga is something that she couldn't live without. She has to teach her yoga class every Friday. So that became one of her roles as you'll see in a few more slides. When it came to Spartan races, she said that was important to her, extremely important. And she saw herself as an adventurer at heart. And that's a key part of her personality. So that became a, one of her roles, adventurer. Also being a cancer survivor was so important to her that she ended up uh, joining a board, the No Stomach for Cancer board. So that became a role. And for hobbies, camping, CrossFit training, roller derby, playing guitar, backgammon, and horror movies. And roller derby was something she wasn't even really thinking of. She just does it on the side for fun. But this was important to her. So that became one of her roles, roller derby queen. And she even had a nickname. Of course, you have to have a nickname. It was Holly Wanna Crack Ya. So... For interest, she listed poker, casinos, sushi, Martha Stewart, learning Japanese, and journaling. And Japanese became a part of her job, actually. She was a leadership director for a corporation, and she was going to be um, going to Japan for a lot of, uh, you know, lengthy assignments. So she, so she started learning Japanese, and that became one of her roles. Action step 1.1, 1 
Now is your turn to do a little assignment here. Get out your index cards and list 12 or more items for each category, passions, 12 hobbies, and 12 interests. So you can pause the recording here whenever and do that. And I'll just keep moving along. Did you know that there are four types of roles? The first type is mind, body, spirit. So you might have certainly a role for your body or your health, spirituality, and your mind. All those will be related. You know, an example might be, uh, you know, that you have a role of visionary or healthy body or meditator or Christian. Next type is giving and receiving. This is the coming in and going out. So a giving role might be that you're a volunteer, a philanthropist. Receiving probably would be financial. You know, you might have an, a role of investor or millionaire or billionaire, wealth builder. The next type is personal roles. And that would be like the normal, what you would think of as a personal role. You know, you're a brother or sister, mom, friend, hobbyist. And for professional roles, of course, that would be your job, but also it could be things that are related to how your job, how are you going to move into your job? Maybe you're working on being a supervisor. If you're an entrepreneur, you would probably be working on sales or marketing or web design or networking. You have a whole bunch of different roles that you'd be tackling. Sometimes we have surprising roles. You probably didn't know that I'm a former Olympian. Well, just joking. All right, let's continue with some examples of role lists so you can get a really good idea for your own. First up is David, a biomedical engineer. So his mind, body, spirit roles are Christian, transcendental meditation, body and genius, giving and receiving, philanthropist and millionaire. Whether or not he's a millionaire or not, we're thinking big here for our roles. It's very important to think big and strive big. For his personal roles, we've got husband, dad, family, friend, chef, rock climber, and writer. His professional roles are biotech engineer, researcher, consultant, founder, and entrepreneur. So the first role under his professional, the biotech engineer is his main occupation, but those next three are really the more supportive ones, the ones he has to adopt these roles to continue to expand his, his role in his occupation. Next is Tracy, Director of Leadership. Mind, body, spirit roles are Catholic, Transcendental Meditation, Lean and Strong. Her giving receiving roles are Philanthropist, Wealth Builder, and the board member of No Stomach for Cancer. Remember we talked before about her her admission of surviving cancer and how important that is to her and how, you know, a big piece of her life. So of course that became a role. Her personal roles, wife, mom, family, friend, yoga instructor, roller derby queen, and adventurer. Professional roles, director of leadership training. And the more supportive roles here are networker, professional speaker, and speak Japanese. So you've got to think, what roles can I take on to help me improve that main occupation role? 
Next is a college student, JC. Mind, body, spirit roles are spiritual, body, creator. Giving, receiving roles, student mentor, volunteer for the animal shelter, and money smarts. After a little encouragement and coaching, she adopted this money smarts role. She, she figured at first she didn't make enough money. She was just doing drum lessons and stuff to really have a role about money, but you've got to uh, have a role for money. Her personal roles, partner, student, writer, journaler, and LGBTQ advocate. For professional roles, musician, composer, arranger, drum teacher, and college prep is a role for her. For Aaron, the cybersecurity expert, his mind, body, spirit roles are Buddhist, body, innovator. For giving and receiving, he's a philanthropist and investor, personal, family, partner, friend, backgammon, surfer, recovering addict, very important, and professional chief information security officer, entrepreneur, mastermind group member, and a blogger. All right, now it's your turn to create your own role list. This should be fun. First off, you wanna think big. Why not? Why let other people think big? You wanna have inspiring role titles. You don't wanna have boring roles and uninspiring roles like taxi cab driver for the kids. What are some of the future roles for you? You know, this, this is where you have to think big. It doesn't have to be something you're actually doing. I'm not a millionaire, but I have a millionaire role. So I can start acting right now like I am, preparing myself, believing. An another few uh, roles that you could work into are visionary, professional speaker, sales pro, millionaire, billionaire, genius, all these roles you could adopt. Action step 1.2 is to create a card for each of the four types of roles, mind, body, spirit, giving, receiving, personal, professional. You wanna line them up like you're playing solitaire. Action step 1.3, create a card for each of your mind, body, spirit roles and place them underneath mind, body, spirit. Action step 1.4, create your giving and receiving roles and place them under the category, giving, receiving. Next step is action step 1.5. List your personal roles. Action step 1.6, list your professional roles. So now you should have all of your roles in front of you and you can see all these different moving parts of your life. So what have you learned by doing this? Action step 1.7. Now you can assess your roles. Go through each one and give it a number. Give it a rating, one to 10. One being horrible and 10 being perfection. If you need help with identifying your roles, you could always contact me for a free consult right on my website, allthehatswewear.com. Great work. In module two, you're going to delve into your goals, but we have a different take on goal setting. Stay tuned. Now let's get into secret number two, clarify your goals. You've got to write down your goals. It's so important. It 
dramatically increases the chances of you achieving it. One reason is that you get to revisit it and see it often every time you read it through. And I suggest that once you print out your goals, put it up where you can see in your office or in your bedroom, uh, on your phone, in your car, across from the bathroom, the toilet, <laughs> whatever works for you. Now, most people focus on SMART goals. Those are, that's the acronym for specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely goal. I don't really use them. I think they're kind of boring. I think they're limiting. I like to think big. And I developed four different types of goals because just like all the tools in your tool belt, you need different goals for different reasons. So the first type of goal is the habit goal. A habit goal is a rule for how you're going to live your life. It's simple. An example, I exercise aerobically for 30 minutes. That's it. Another example might be I meditate for 20 minutes or I call 50 sales leads today or each day. I read for an hour before bed. This is something you're not doing now. You wanna to try to instill this habit in yourself. So it's something you're striving for, you're stretching. Once you make it a habit, you can remove it and uh, replace it with something new that you're working on. I suggest, you know, eight to 10 habit goals would be a good limit as long as you're working on all of them. The next goal type is the deadline goal. And this is an outcome with a deadline. It's a snapshot in time. So an example might be by June 30th, I weigh X pounds. By December 31st, I have X amount of money in my savings account. By June 15th, I'm scuba certified. The next type of goal is the visionary goal. And this is an aspiration that can't be measured. An example, I enjoy abundance in all my roles. I'm a world-class problem solver. I'm the best dad I can be. Next type is the sky's the limit goal. This is when you really think big. This is a huge goal requiring plenty of imagination. So an example, I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I won the Nobel Peace Prize for economics. My company's innovation got 1 billion people out of poverty. I introduced Saturday Night Live by yelling, and live from New York, it's Saturday night. All right, so action step 2.1 is to create title cards for each of the four types of goals. Get four cards and lay them out, habit, deadline, visionary, and sky's the limit. Action step 2.2, create eight to 12 goals for each goal type and lay them out under your cards. Also create a document with your complete list of goals and display them where you'll see them every day. You wanna hover over those goals and remind yourself constantly. If you create some goals on New Year's Eve, it's gonna be useless in a couple of weeks. The only thing good about New Year's Eve is Three Stooges Marathon. Next is module three, and you'll be focusing on unleashing your creativity. Let's get to it. Secret number three, 
unleash your creativity. You want to be able to think and get in your best thoughts of your life. First step is to start a daily journal. Journaling is one of the best habits you can ever have. Some of the benefits of journaling are, it'll inspire you to become more mindful, increase your emotional intelligence, clarify your thinking, encourage you to develop an attitude of positive expectation. It'll improve your writing skills, help you slow down so you can reflect on your life, document your life experiences for future reflection, it will enhance your decision make it will enhance your decision making it will connect you with your inner world and boost your problem solving skills harvard business review published an article relating journaling and the practice of reflection and this is to build effective leadership skills so once you decide to start a daily journal what you have to first do is be open to recording creative snippets throughout the day. These are just, you know, jotted down a couple little ideas of interesting thoughts you might have or interesting things that happen, something unique. Right, here are some examples. Played in the Texas Hold'em tournament at the campground. Timmy gave the game-winning, Timmy got the game-winning basket at the buzzer. My five-year-old nephew was wrestling with his grandfather and said, Papa, you're my favorite old man. Playing backgammon by the pool. Wasabi in my tackle box. This was a little snippet of I went fishing and uh, the guy next to me, I was talking with him. He was a friendly guy. And he was saying that he used to fish right at the ocean and catch some stripers and bring them in. And he would have wasabi right in his tackle box. He'd flay it right there and have some nice sushi on the beach. Now that's fresh. And a cool thing to write about in your journal. Something different. So once you have your creative snippets at night, get on your laptop or however you want to do it, whether it be a written book or uh, typing, I prefer the uh, password protected document in my laptop. And you just write simple prose based on all of those bullet points you've recorded. Another way, and I did this for two years, is doing an audio journal where you do the same idea with the creative snippets, but then at night, you could just have your tape recorder or your phone running, you know, maybe while you're after getting home from work in the car or something, and uh, just record your babbling about the day, inventing. It, it's nice to be able to capture that venting and you don't have to do it with your family all night long. Get those ideas out. Also, you want to improve your writing skills. There's a thing I called color words. And this is another thing I derived from being a musician and a composer. But, you know, in music, you have color tones, and these are the ones that are more of a colorful, interesting nature than just the regular scale or the chord. So you can do the same thing with words. Usually when I read the paper, I have a little notebook, a piece of paper, and I jot down any words that are unusual, uncommon, words I don't usually use. You know, just in the last week, I've recorded these words right here. Abscond, bamboozle, befuddle, behoove, besmirch, bric-a-brac, brouhaha, bucolic, cantankerous, churlish, claptrap, cloister, cobble, codswallow, cogent, cornucopia, crystallize, cull, deluge, dodgy, doldrums, dold, doleful, dreck, festoon, flout, fritter, galvanize, glower, grouse, harangue, hardscrabble, hobnob, and hoity-toity. 
So they're fun. Who doesn't want to use the word hoity-toity every once in a while? Next exercise you can use is called word salad. And this is where you take some of your color words. You could do it randomly or, you know, take 10 words or phrases and, and you're just going to plop them into a crazy story. And just do it quick. You, you can get it done in, you know, 10, 15 minutes. Here's a quick example. Fishing with the ghost of Abe Lincoln. My son and I didn't want to fritter away the last weekend of the summer, so we booked a deep sea fishing trip. We loaded the vessel, stored our bric-a-brac, and grabbed a few pails of gooey brown bait. My son Jasper and I prattled on about types of fish we wanted to catch. All of a sudden, there was a kerfuffle at the stern of the ship, and so on. Next thing you want to consider with improving your writing skills for journaling is show, don't tell. Here's the example of telling. My dessert was outstanding. Here's an example of showing. My dessert was creme brulee in a delicate Godiva chocolate cup served with a drizzle of raspberry sauce and a fresh sprig of mint. A little different, huh? As the writer Anton Chekhov said, don't tell me the moon is shining. Show me the glint of light on broken glass. The next part of creativity is to ask quality questions. You want to ask questions that are empowering, open-ended, and solution-focused. In other words, ask great questions, you'll get great answers. There is such a thing as bad questions and good questions. Bad question might be, why am I always broke? Why can't, why can't I ever catch a break? Good question. If I could have anyone as my mentor, who would it be? What could I give up to save an extra $300 a month? What would be a perfect day for me? You could relate your questions to your roles. Like a healthy body role question might be, what are two easy and healthy recipes I can start making this week? For your hobbyist role, who do I know that's into fly fishing? For your parenting role, what's the biggest challenge my kids are struggling with and what are some resources to help? I suggest starting a weekly routine of taking 15 minutes to brainstorm as many great questions you can for each of your roles. Do it every Friday afternoon or something. Next skill is to identify obstacles. For this, you need three things. You need to list the challenge, the obstacles, and some solutions for each obstacle. An example, the challenge might be, I know meditation will be helpful, but I just can't get into the habit of doing it. Obstacles, I don't think I'm doing it right. I can't get any peace and quiet in the morning. I'm not completely sold on its benefits. I'm not getting up early enough. I feel like others might think I look silly. And some solutions, go to bed earlier, research the benefits, contact tm.org to find a trainer, Listen to testimonials of others, other people's experience of starting a meditation routine. Deep thinking techniques. Here are some things that will really help you. Brainstorming. Of course, brainstorming is just asking a lot of questions. Don't self-edit or judge. Just generate as many ideas as you can. Breathe. Now, of course, this isn't a technique for deep thinking but it can lead you into one. 
you could try the four, seven, eight deep breath technique. Inhale for four, hold for seven, and exhale for eight with a whoosh sound as you exhale. Centering. This is something I remember from my music therapy professor. And she used to center when she was doing supervision with me. And it really helped her get back into the moment. Like she would kind of review everything that had gone on with my client and with me in the last meeting we had. And really, it was almost like you could see her catching up with everything emotionally and being right where she needs to be in this moment to help now. And it's really powerful. All it takes is a few moments of just, you could close your eyes and center in and just calm down and let you know, the thoughts that you have kind of fade into the background and then the thoughts that you need will come to the forefront with whatever you're focusing on. Connect. You can make connections with seemingly unrelated things. One example is um, I was learning some sales techniques from the great sales trainer, Grant Cardone. And he was talking about always starting with agreement. You know, if you have a prospect and you're trying to sell and the person says, well, you know, that, that's, this is a lot of money, then you wouldn't argue with the person. That's the worst thing you can do. That's not having agreement. You would want to say, well, you know, it is a lot of money. And everyone that I meet with always says that it's a lot of money. But then when they start to have the benefits and then you go on from there. So meet with agreement. And I mentioned this in, in connecting technique because um, there was a time in nursing home I was helping out and there was an older guy with dementia. He was there and he was really getting combative and he was confused. They brought him into the nursing home. He didn't want to be there and he was really getting angry and he was saying, you know, something about all of his antiques, where are they going to go and all his stuff. And then I said, uh, well, that sounds like a big job. And then immediately stopped him in his tracks and he turned around and he goes, yeah, that, would, that is a big job. So there was a little bit of agreement there. And then we helped to you know, help him out a little bit to be in a better space. Consider, set aside time to make decisions, create questions, issues, challenges. You've got to set, set, set some time aside for that stuff. Decide, decisions create momentum. Try to make more decisions every day. Even just coming up with your creative snippets is a way of um, increasing your decision ability, decision-making ability. So make decisions. Inspiration, connect with what makes you feel strong. When I first started this business, I really thought about the, the Willy Wonka movie because I love that movie. I have since I was a kid. And the idea of this Wonka factory you know, this company that is so unique and so special that it really has no competition. So that stuck with me with creating my business. I wanted to have something that creative and that innovative and unique. So I had a um, picture of the golden ticket and put it up on my wall. So try something like that for you. What inspires you? Connect with it as much as possible. You could interview you want some access to VIPs and leaders and innovators in your industry? Start a podcast or a newsletter. I did this for drums way back in college. Got to interview all the top drummers 
And then I did it for music therapy, got to interview whoever I wanted, and it was great. And now I do this with my All the Hats We Wear podcast, which I've interviewed millionaires. So it's a lot of fun and it's a great access point for networking. Intuition. Follow your gut feelings. They're extremely important. Take a moment and explore some of your gut feelings about vital areas of your life and do this regularly. You could meditate. Most forms of meditation focus on the mind. They focus the mind. So increasing the awareness is important in most types of meditation. One great book to get you started with thinking about meditation, this is for transcendental meditation, is the uh, film director David Lynch's book called Catching the Big Fish, Meditation, Consciousness, and Creativity. Mentoring. Are you a mentor and have you been mentored? Very, very important. I have a little notebook just for my mentor. I just jot down questions and concerns I have so I can go over those with her when I meet with her. Planning. The great thing about systemizing your life is having a place for everything. Prioritizing. And this you'll cover in the module five, but having, having a place to list your priority, one priority for the day, your top only priority. Remember, priority means one. PRI is primary one. You could have primary, you could have a priority and then top outcomes. Strategize. Take some moments and just strategize. That can save you hours, weeks, months, or years. And this is another idea of having a great mentor. It can save you an awful lot of time. So what's something in your life that you need to strategize about? Also, you can use tactile and sensory cues. For some reason, whenever, if I'm in the hot tub or in a pool and I run my hands down my face, you know, when you're in the water, I always think of the movie, The Shining, because there's a scene when he's sitting at the bar and he does that. And it just connects me somehow to that movie. So these are very powerful connections, the tactile and sensory cues, and they can help you with productivity as well. I always listen to Pink Floyd. I like their albums. Um, well, I like their DVD Pulse very much and their albums um, Animals and there's a bunch of others. Maybe smells might help you stay working for a long period of time. Coffee, apple pie, a candle, a fan, breeze from an open window, coffee or tea, the feeling of bare feet on carpet, just stretching, doing some push-ups, jogging in place, deep breathing, looking at your favorite painting or work of art, touching a sculpture, splashing water on your face. Any of these can help you to be re reinvigorated. Visioning, how clearly can you see your desired results? Feed your mind with amazing images and they'll come through in your vision. If you want help with any of this, give me a call, we can have a consult Contact me through my website, allthehatswewear.com. You're going to love this next module because we're going to focus on how you can ace those large projects. Secret number four, effectively manage large projects. This is huge. Most of us underestimate the time and work required to complete large projects. We often don't have a system to follow 
And one, one big reason that we lose a lot of momentum is that we don't know where to pick up where we left off. And that's so crucial. And this system is going to really help you with that. You know, in this last module, we talked about deep thinking techniques. And one of them was to center, to really reconnect with that emotional point that, you're, that you are. And that's being very, very um, helpful. So there are seven stages to project management. And this relates to any creative project you do, whether it be planning a wedding or write a book, whatever it is, creating a product. Stage one is to identify the spark. Stage two is the gathering stage. Stage three, brainstorming. Stage four, structure. Stage five, action. Stage six, refine. And stage seven is to celebrate. So let's take a good look at each one of these and I'll give you an example. And the example I'm gonna use, the case study, is a book that I wrote for drummers. Of course, I'm a musician and a drummer. So I figured I would, I, um, well, here's the story. I was doing a lot of lessons about um, 25 years ago. And I found that the students had a lot of the similar problems. So I started to think about, well, maybe I could compile a whole selection of solos to help them with their technique. So this project really became, came about organically. I wrote a solo called The Mad Scientist and the students really uh, took to it. They were really having a performance with the piece. They got into it, they involved their emotions. So, and then I started to think, you know, I really like mad scientist movies and the whole idea and the pictures of mad scientists in their laboratories and all the beakers of liquids and everything bubbling. And it's just a lot of creativity, it's cool. So this became my spark, mad scientist related to a book for young drummers. Now, stage two was the gathering stage. So I collected all pictures of mad scientists and watched movies and researched hung up pictures of mad scientists all over the wall. And I started studying other people's drum methods to create my own curriculum. Stage three is the brainstorming stage. This is where I start to ask a lot of questions. What's the purpose of the book? Who is it for? How is it going to be used? How can I inspire the students to practice? Why am I interested in mad scientists? Uh, should this be broken up into multiple volumes? What are my resources, etc.? Stage four is the structure stage. Now, this is where you're going to focus on, you know, the, the form of your project. If it's a book, how many chapters? If it's a composition, how many movements? That sort of thing. So what I did was made a huge poster and then labeled it with, you know, grids, rhythm, and, and titles of the composition, and theme, and grade level. And then I started to create titles for my songs. So titles like Grand Slam Homer and Swing for the Fence were uh, you know, a baseball theme for the little kids or a pirate theme followed with the Shiver Me Timbers and Treasure Chest. And the important part is all of these ideas and all of the work of the project closely or inorganically stems from this identifying the spark, stage one. You know, for the older, for the middle school kids, I had compositions like Slippery Slugs and Attack of the Horrid Fungi and Serenade for a Dung Beetle. 
Stage five is the action stage. This is where you're gonna roll up your sleeves and get the work done. For this composition book, I wrote 65 pieces in four days. And this made me realize, and this is, I think is a big reason for a lot of people's writer's block or being stuck in a big project is that if you don't do that work beforehand, if you don't do stages one through four properly, you can't just jump into to the action stage. That's where you get stuck. You haven't laid the foundation. You haven't done your pre-planning. Stage six is the refining stage. Then I had to get out the drumsticks and play through all, all the solos over and over and over again and make tiny little adjustments to make sure that they were just perfect. I think of uh, Stephen King's description of a poem he really liked when I think of refining. And he said that it was, it was so well structured, this poem that he said you could almost hear the support cables hum because they were so tight and taut and all holding the piece together. And that's how you wanna approach your projects. I find this, this stage of all of them is often underutilized and skipped over. We wanna just get to the celebrate, get to the, you know, the project being done. Make it sparkle, take as much time as you can. Of course, you might have a deadline and you've, you, know, you have your parameters, but try to make it sparkle as much as you can. Stage seven is celebrate. Of course, that's the stage when it's complete. And for my book, sent it off for publication to create an army of little drummer minions. So what are some of the projects on your plate? It's very helpful to write them out. You could take the index cards and list them out in front of you. Another very handy thing is to create a table where you have all of your projects listed on the left and then all of the stages one through seven and then the due date on the right end of this table. And you can literally mark where each one is. Each project, you can see, you don't know, put a check mark under which stage it currently is. And then the, the value of this is not only that you can see everything you got going on, but you can look at a glance and just say, oh, I'm at the brainstorming stage here. So when you get some time to do some work on that project, now you know to buckle down and start asking questions about it. Or maybe you're at the refine stage and you can recenter yourself so that you can do the refining work. Next will be our final module. And this is putting all of the pieces together so you can live your purpose. Stay tuned. Secret number five is to have a system for living your purpose every day. So now let's delve into mission statements. And you've probably heard a lot about mission statements, but I have a different take. I don't want you to have a mission statement that just hangs on the wall and you, you know, get, gathers dust. You wanna have something that you're gonna revisit every day and hover over and connect with every day. So my approach is a mini mission statement for each role. Here's an example for my role of visionary. First, you start with doing a brainstorming session on it. And this, you wanna generate as many ideas and words and phrases that relate to you and that role like if you were really knocking it out of the park at your best. So for visionary, here's my brainstorm list. Elegance, lightning rod, intelligence, momentum, lookout tower, Frank Zappa, John Coltrane, creativity, depth, beauty, profound, simplicity, power, juicy goals, thinking big, clarity, 
Crystal Clear Vision, Willy Wonka, and Golden Ticket. Action step 5.1 is to create a bunch of brainstorm words and phrases. Do that for each role. And then just place it on top of your corresponding role card. So left to right, you have mind, body, spirit at the top, and then you have all your mind, body, spirit roles, and so on through the other role types. Then you write out your index card with your brainstorm words and phrases and just put them on top of the actual role card. Now, the next step after you have your brainstorming is that you want to use this template. And this template will be uh, 40 to 60 words for each mini mission statement for each role. And the main idea is I am a blank. This would be your role title. So I am a visionary. And then, so the, the template is I am a blank. I blank, blank, and blank. So I can blank. I blank because blank. This is my blank role. And that last sentence is really like a nickname. If you have a nickname for the role, you know, this is my Willy Wonka engine role, whatever works for you. So here is an example of a finished mini mission statement with that template for visionary. I'm a visionary. Creativity is my greatest gift. I think big every day and constantly absorb new insights and apply them. I'm a lookout tower and lightning rod. I'm a voracious reader and unstoppable force for good. My crystal clear goals keep me on track for achieving my juiciest dreams. This role is my Willy Wonka engine role that drives everything good in my life. Action step 5.2. Now you're going to complete your mini mission statement and put them on top of your other cards. Action step 5.3, make an audio recording of you reading your mini mission statements. Let's talk about planning now. How do you plan your week? One suggestion is that you create a seven day empty grid. That's Monday through Sunday, uh, you know, whatever you want, 7 a.m. till 10 p.m. And then you can just jot down things that you have for the week and look at it throughout the week. And this helps you find empty spaces in your schedule. Usually Sunday evening or Sunday afternoon, I'll do a weekly plan and just review everything, bring up priorities that haven't been made and you know revise your to-do list. Get out your seven day empty grid. You probably wanna print out some financial reports, review your progress on your goals and your habits, listen to your mission statement, just connect as many ways as you can. Another thing to do is um, you can use a program that I use called Scrivener. And um, this program is invaluable to me. In fact, I'm staring at it now. It has my detailed notes as I'm creating this Zoom call. Uh, I'm also looking at Scrivener. It's actually a writer's program. So it's very easy to make, you know, if you wanna make chapters and, and different subsections, the hierarchy is really easy. And it's just simple and everything is right there where I need it, I love it. I never close it, it's always open on my dock. Now for daily planning, I suggest each night brainstorming, you know, your top outcomes and your priority for the next day. Although realize it's gonna change as well, but it's good to think about that day, the night before. And as a daily planner, this is also on my resources page if you wanna take a look. It's a two, two page booklet, eight and a half by 11. 
And on the top is the top outcomes. And this is a space just for the top outcomes and priority, the most important things for the day. Then we have a space just to write stuff. And on the right-handed sheet, page two, we have space for the journal creative snippets. Then we have a block for the projects. List a couple projects and list the outcomes that you wanna do. And I always have a list of the roles, the role list to keep you grounded in those roles. See them every day, revisit, hover over them, connect with them. Also to plan your day, you can think about a technique that I use called round the world. And that's where you literally go through every role, take two or three minutes and get something done. Or even if you just stop and think about that role, you check in with each role. You can do it in like a half hour around the world. I got this idea from a kid's basketball game where you go around the key and you have to hit each shot before you can go to the next location. So do the same thing with all of your roles. Now let's talk about some peak performance techniques. You've learned a lot. We've put it all together. You've learned a lot of skills and now it's time to perform. So here's one example of, this is a comparison between uh, a very bad performance and an excellent performance. And I bring you back to when I was 17 years old. I was a drummer in the, the Boston Crusaders Drum and Bugle Corps. And on our first show, I was so nervous. I was so hyped up. I really couldn't even think. And the, the lights, it looked like I was at the Super Bowl. It was a night uh, show. And the crowd was roaring because we were the hometown. And it was really exciting, but very, very scary. So I couldn't concentrate. And the first move went of the, the show started. And I was just, I wasn't thinking of anything. And I, the first move stopped and I kept going and I crashed into the person next to me. And it was awful. In fact, I think I still have uh, nightmares about it once in a while. So I wasn't thinking. I was just mindlessly going. I was reacting to whatever was happening. Now let's fast forward five years to my final performance. And it's a 14-minute show. And this was like a mental script that I followed as it unfolded. I was completely in the moment. I was enjoying the music and performing for the audience and myself but also I knew what I was doing. I, you know, it was almost like a checklist, you know, first watch the drum major for the opening tempo or the speed of the song, check, watch the drummers for this drill and for this uh, marching maneuver here, check, you know, make sure to listen back the, for the bass drums for the tempo change here, check. So I had all of these things and then you have a beautiful performance, excellent, and you can enjoy it and it's doing your best job. You see the difference. Now, the next skill to use for performance is what I call no opinions productivity. And this is forgetting about all the self-talk in your head all the time. And one way that I learned to use this is I was folding towels and I just, I wasn't fretting about which one to get next or what I was doing or the order. I was just grabbing whatever towel was logically closest and just folding it. And I just kept going and I never used my brain at all. There was never any self-doubt or, or consideration. And then I started doing that with the silverware, putting the silverware away, same way, just focusing more on the momentum of, of movement 
in the flow of, of getting it done. And then I started to say, you know what, I wonder if I can do that for tidying up my office or tidying up a room. And I did. And then I said, well, I wonder if I can do this with a to-do list and experiment with it. See how you can do, just focus on getting into the zone, getting into building momentum and just staying in it. As soon as you have some self-doubt or start using your brain too much, be aware of it and then try to refocus and start again. My next tip for peak performance is called drop the needle. And this brings me back to uh, UMass days when I was in college, I was studying in a um, jazz history class and the professor would have this part in the exam where he would literally just drop the needle of the record player onto, a, or onto an album. And we would have to write down which jazz musician was improvising just by hearing the little bit of sound. So this idea of dropping the needle, like there's nothing one moment and then the split second after you have 100% engagement. So you can also do this when you're trying to get some work done. And you do this by having this mantra, I'm at my very best right now. So if you're feeling kind of sluggish or you're not sure if you want to do it, you just say that mantra, I'm at my very best right now. Or, or another one could be, there's no reason I can't do my very best right now. And then you get to work. Now, this isn't to say you're going to do perfect work, but you are doing something that will get you on the path to where you want to be. Another resource that helps is um, The Artist Within, a book by Julia Cameron. And she has a powerful technique called The Morning Pages, which will help you get out of that stifling writer's block or inability to take action because you're just writing whatever. And you do that every day. You do three pages of that every morning. It seems like with creative thinkers, a lot of times we claim the need for like a magical muse or perfect conditions to spark our inspiration. But we can't wait for divine inspiration. Everyone can be creative and immediately. Carpenters, graphic designers, and surgeons they have to be working 100% right away at the start of their shift, no matter how they feel or their mojo. And so can we. Woohoo! Congratulations. Great job. You have plenty of new resources and skills, actionable strategies that you can use from this training, I hope. And they will all help you overcome those five nasty obstacles that prevent you from living your purpose. Obstacle number one in review was you aren't managing all the hats you wear. Remember we went through and identified our roles and all that went with that. Obstacle number two, you haven't clarified your goals. We went through the four types of goals. Obstacle three, you haven't unleashed your creativity. We talked about journal writing and quality questions and identifying obstacles. Obstacle number four, you don't effectively manage large projects. And we reviewed all the seven stages that a creative project has to pass through. And then obstacle number five, you don't have a system for living your purpose. Well, now you do. We talked about managing uh, and planning for your day, planning for your week. And then we talked about 
peak performance strategies to help you be at your best. Again, if you want to find more information about what I do, check out the website, allthehatswewear.com. Call for a consult call free so I can show you how I can help you with coaching or a speech or workshops or trainings. So until we work together again, thank you. Great work. See you soon.